Solomon Wilcox is our special guest in the trenches with Dave Lapham, brought to you by First Star Logistics. So you're going to learn a lot about the game of football. Solomon Wilcox is a football savant. There's no question about it. Solly was uh, part of the SWAT team, 1988 Super Bowl 23 team, AFC championship team. Cincinnati Bengals had part of that great secondary, played six years in the NFL. And Solly then has gone on to an outstanding broadcast career. Uh, many media forms, radio, television, podcaster. Uh, so Solomon Wilcox understands the game of football and he always imparts knowledge. We'll do a review and analyze the Houston Texans loss the Cincinnati Bengals suffered and then talk about how they might rebound on Thursday night against the Baltimore Ravens. You're going to enjoy what Solly has to say, I think. Appreciate you joining us in the trenches with Dave Lapham, brought to you by First Star Logistics, as always, coming to you from our studios at First Star Logistics, which are second to none. And we have a second to none guest today. This guy is all about football. I was listening to him, Sirius XM Radio, on my drive in uh, this morning, and he was doing it, chopping it up, as as, as he always does, in a, in a very, very intelligent fashion. Solomon Wilcox, great player, been a broadcaster for, for many, many years in television, radio, just about every form of media that there is, two brilliant careers. Welcome, my man. Dave, thanks for having me. Always good to be on with you. And yeah, we keep it going. You know, I just finished up a three-hour show with uh, Tori Holt, yep. uh, my good friend, and uh, we try to bring a lot of energy on the morning show. It's the opening drive on Sirius XM NFL Radio Channel 88. And so we hope that uh, as many listeners can join us as possible each morning. And, and you guys do a phenomenal job. There's no question about it, Solly. It's 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 good stuff. I really enjoy it. I listen, I listen a good part of it every single morning. You do a phenomenal job. Uh, thank you. I greatly appreciate it. All right. So, hey, very, <laughs> very uh, unfortunate outcome. <laughs> For the Cincinnati Bengals against uh, the the Houston Texans, but boy, I'll tell you what, C.J. Stroud, ooh, you talk yeah. about legit. He he impressed me, boy. Seeing it in person, it's like wow, this guy, he's a player, man. Look, he sure is, and the sad part is, is that you know we're it's almost like we're all shocked, even though we you know he's in our backyard, went to school right there in Columbus at. The Ohio State University. And I loved watching him every Saturday. Yep. And I was miffed when it's what Bill Polian calls the draft industrial complex. He called basically there's a business now of people who have created an industry of um, predicting who can play and who can't play. And you don't hear them now, right? They're they're not speaking now, but soon as the season's over. Um, and 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 the ball's not being thrown. Um, no games are being played. Everyone becomes an expert on who they think can play in the NFL. And for whatever reason, they have a way of downgrading people. And that happened with C.J. Stroud. And I could tell you when he walked across that stage, um, I, he hugged Commissioner Roger Goodell. He was emotional. He had tears in his eyes because you know why? The whole process. Throughout that period, it was tough on them. They were tearing them down. 
people were talking about his academic tests. Um, he doesn't grade well. Nobody talked about what he did on the field. Nobody I talked mean, about all the games he won at Ohio State. Nobody talked about the fact that he made Chris Olave and and uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. and and uh, 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 Garrett Wilson and all these guys. They look great. No one ever said he was the one throwing them the ball all those Saturdays. For whatever reason, they were downgrading them, and I'm like, this guy could flat out play. I mean, I I just loved him. And for whatever reason, he dropped to that second overall selection. The Houston Texans took him, and I could tell you right now, they have not regretted it for one moment. All he's done over the last two weeks, he's thrown for over 800 yards. Yeah. And uh, he set a single-game passing record um, a week ago against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 470 and five touchdowns and no interception. Unreal. No rookie quarterback ever did that in the 104-year history of our league. Unbelievable! It really is. I mean, it's 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 a phenomenal uh, a phenomenal accomplishment. And I agree with this this S2 test, whatever it is that they take, they yeah. should take that S2 test and crumble it up and pitch it because <laughs> it, it means nothing on a football field. And and you know, kudos to the Houston Texans. They trusted their eyes evaluating tape. Put on the Georgia game. Georgia's yeah, got a bunch yeah. of NFL caliber players. He rips them up for like three hundred and forty six yards. Yeah, he I mean, was shredding that night. Totally. I remember. Yeah. I, when I watched that game, I'm like, oh, this guy's he's <laughs> he's the real deal. He was yeah. just crushing uh in, in, in the college football playoffs. So yeah, it's uh it is crazy. Um, but man, Stroud, he, he's making his throwing motion so compact and yeah. so accurate. I mean, he is uh he, he really I I he when he threw the interception to Cam Taylor Brett. It was interesting. They were saying D'Amico Ryan's uh, in, in pressers after the game said that Stroud came right up to him and said, uh, "Coach, I got your back. We're going to win this football game." I mean, that that's maturity. Instead of a like a lot of rookies go to the bench and put their head down and sulk a yeah. little bit or whatever, yeah. this kid goes right to his head coach, says, "You know, I'm over it. We're gonna we're gonna make yeah. plays. We're gonna win this football game." He's a, he's a special player. There's no he's mature. He's really mature, and I. Yeah. Look, I think that emotional period through that draft process, it, it can tear players down for all the wrong reasons because it's got nothing to do with their work product. Right. It's got nothing to do with their body of work on the field. And it's got everything to do with these things that you can try to pass as somebody's character or try to pass as a tangible thing for telling um, the market, this is who this player is. And as players, you and I both know, we frown on that because – at the end of the day, it should be about how we've lived our lives, how we performed on the field, how we participated um, in the culture of a university setting. I mean, we don't live in a glass bubble. We you have to go to class. You're you're in the public, right? You're you know, you know a lot of people on campus who are not gonna be NFL players, who are just everyday people who you have to talk to and relate with and you have to treat them with decency or you're going to emerge with a bad reputation. Yep. But none of that stuff was said about C.J. Stroud. You know why? Because it wasn't true. So you had to manufacture something to try to downgrade him. At the end of the day, that's the stuff that really reveals character when people try to assassinate or try to misportray who, and misrepresent who you really are. That's where character really is tested. Now, I really do believe in young people. If you handle it the right way, 
uh, that's where character is forged. Yep. I do a radio show with Ryan Leaf, and um, he's not shy about telling people how he did not handle the criticism very well, how he did melt down and it did cost him his career and how he could have dealt with those criticisms a lot better. Right. Um, he said he wasn't mature enough to deal with it at the time, but he has since faced it. He now goes out and speaks with college kids all around the country about what they're embarking upon when they're coming into the NFL and what they're going to have to deal with. And now Chris uh, C.J. Stroud knows it firsthand. He has seen it. He dealt with it. And I do believe, just like you gave that depiction of how he handled the adverse moment after the interception by Cam Taylor Britt going to talk to his coach, I think that's proof that he's grown through the process, that it didn't break him. I think it made him stronger. Yep. And out on the other end, he's become a better person, a better quarterback as a result. But I, I don't think we need to be putting our young men through um, this false prism and making them prove to be something based on false information that's going out there about them. Um, it's something that we don't we don't need to be putting our young men through because some of them may not survive it. And and okay. God forbid what should happen to them if if they should take a mental hit, their mental health is vitally important. And so we shouldn't have to do this to our young man for them to prove to us that they can play in this league. Right. Right. And in the cottage in industry of ripping people down. I mean, That's what right. the heck, man? That's I, right. Come on. I mean, uh, let's, let's, let's be human beings with each other here a little bit. Yeah. Um, so, so, I mean, Stroud throws for over 350 yards, Singletary rushes for 150 and Brown, has a receiving yard total of 172. First time in Bengals history, they gave up a 150-yard rusher and a 170-plus yard receiver in the same game. I mean, it's been around a while, and the first time that happened is very uncharacteristic of, of yeah. the way this defense has been playing under Lou Anarumo. It's just one of those bad days at the office, man. I describe the entire game as uncharacteristic. That yep. was That's what I used to describe it because – when do you see Joe Burrow throw two interceptions, let alone on back-to-back possessions? Right. When do you see him force the ball into, into a coverage? You never see that. Yeah. Um, when do you see a Tyler Boyd drop a touchdown pass uh, that's meaningful? You, you, this is a guy that is – he's the one of the bedrock players of this of this franchise. Yeah. And so, for me, it was just – and and as Joe said, he had a 64-yard catch and run to get us down there because that's who Tyler Boyd is. So the drop for me was so uncharacteristic. Allowing Devin Singletary to rip through us and the and the Texans to come up with 180-plus yards rushing in the game, that's so uncharacteristic. We had blitzing defensive backs getting penetration in the backfield unblocked, and he made them miss. Like the design of the play – that Lou Anaroma had drawn up was perfect. And yet, and still, we still couldn't get the guy tackled. <laughs> couldn't get him on the ground. Um, our tackling was poor. Yep. Um, we The way that we fit in the run game, it was poor. Um, and then uh, the way that they would go max protection, right? They were running two-man routes. He had all day to throw it because they max protected. And it was their ability to run the ball that really lent itself to play action setting up for C.J. Stroud to have so much time for those long crossing routes and long developing routes to develop. And uh, they, it was like everything they did that we're normally good at, 
everything they did, it worked. <laughs> I, yeah. was just, I, I was sitting there watching the game like, how oh, be, what are you telling me he held the ball for over three seconds on that play and didn't get hit? We sacked him one time in the game, um, and that's unlike uh, uh, our defense. Uh, when when Cam Taylor-Britt stole the ball um, and got his fourth interception in the last five games, and what a guy playing at a very high level. Right. He gave us a chance to get back in the game. I mean, it, and I'm thinking, okay, we, we've stubbed our toe because after scoring on the first drive, um, they scored 20 unanswered points. Yep. We have to punt five or six times between that drive and the next time we scored. That's uncharacteristic for an offense led by Joe Burrow with so much talent. So, um, yeah, I, I look, that's why you gotta win those games early. Because if you squander uh, one or two of them, man, you can't afford to drop these in the middle because it can really be costly. And now the the margins are so very narrow, right? To to get into the playoffs, they're still there, right? But but it's it's a very narrow pathway. Really is. I mean, uh, for all the things that we're talking about that went wrong offensively, uh, first drive score a touchdown on the first drive for the fifth straight game. But then in the second quarter, don't show up. I mean, don't have a don't have a first down in an entire quarter. Yeah. You have three three and outs. You have a one a one play kneel down, one play for minus one yard, and then the first drive of the third quarter is a three and out. Three and that's out. five straight possessions where yeah. you don't even generate a first down, and yeah. and that's putting a lot of pressure on a defense, man. And that's it's right. uncomplimentary football. It's not complimentary. It's just the opposite. And man. Uh, no. But, but as, as poorly as all of it went, like you said, if Tyler's able to snare that pass, the Bengals win, and now you're making all these corrections. You're still like, man, yeah. hey, things didn't go well, guys. Here, we got to get this tightened up. But after a win, it's a lot easier to take than yeah. losing the football game and having to do it. And, and we talk about the opposite effect of having complementary football where all the pieces come together. This was as unjointed of a performance as I've ever seen from the team. Yeah, and I, I just think, look, as well as they played and as well as they're coached and as and as much as it means to these players to play well, I'm not overly concerned. Um, look, I, 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 I understand how games are played um, just like when we left kind of left the defense hanging and they begin to, you know, the, the battle of attrition began to mount. Right. As the number of plays, you your offense is going three and out. You got to go back out there after a long drive. They go three and out again. You got to go right back out there again. Now you're starting to wear down defensively. Right. Um, and that is what happened in the Tennessee Titans game. That's why the damn burst yep. and that score became what it was, right? And uh, and if in a Cam, if Cam Taylor Britt doesn't get that interception, we might have, I think the dam was about to break again. I will say this it ha the same is true for the offense. When um, offenses get behind and they have not been clicking and they're, they've seen a lot of three and outs, I've talked to Peyton Manning about this. As a quarterback, you could begin to press, especially if your defense is struggling to get off the field and get stops themselves. Now on third down, you feel compelled to, I got to force this in there because if we don't convert on third down, and then we got a punt again. I'm about to put my defense back out there. Right. We're already down by 10 on the scoreboard. And if I uh, give this ball back to the offense, the opposing team, they're going to score on us again. By the time we get it back, now I'm down by 
14 points or 17 points. And I think that's what you saw with Burrow. He, as we started to chase points, and you had to because we're getting in the fourth quarter, we're down by 10. The defense is struggling, man, right? Now I'm I'm trying to, I gotta, I gotta keep us on the field. I gotta make a play here. And I and I'm telling you, that's a real thing for quarterbacks when the game as it's unfolding the way that it was. I could see where he felt the need to try to sandwich one in there down in the end zone, and then it gets intercepted. Try to try to get it over the top of the defense and drop it down to Drew Sample. It sails high on him, gets intercepted. Um, that doesn't happen to him often, but the way the game was unfolding, man, I, I could see how you're trying to manage a game, but now it becomes difficult to manage as the score starts to get away from you. So they're now 0-2 in the division, 1-4 in the conference. And uh, those those aren't uh, those don't loom large for tiebreakers, that's for sure. Now you have a division opponent again. Um, you got to go to Baltimore. And, and Baltimore is intriguing. I mean, this yeah. football team, they've outscored the opponent 79 to 16 in the first quarter. Outscored the opponent by 63 points in the first quarter. And, and then by 35 in the second quarter, 35 in the third quarter. Then they've been outscored by 17 in the fourth quarter. So they've had blowouts. But if you can hang around and stay within a score of them, they have a hard time finishing sometimes. When you play Baltimore, you only get like nine possessions in a game sometimes. If you can stay within a score and not let them pound you with those possessions, now all of a sudden, like, you, you know, you're behind two or three scores and you're not going to get the ball much. So now you're going out of character trying to do too much and, and it just snowballs on you. If you can somehow stay in a game with them and Cleveland came back from a 14-point deficit, if you can make it a one-score game in the fourth quarter, Baltimore has had their difficulties closing those games out. They're minus 17 in the fourth quarter. Those are the close football games they've lost. The blowouts of the first three quarters, I mean, they've outscored people by 133 points yeah. You know, in the first three quarters. It's crazy. And that's the key. Um, they're playing against teams like Seattle, who they scored 30 plus. You know, they scored 30 points in each of their last four games. So this is an offense that can't score. Yep. You talk to, and 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 what they normally do is they go on long drives. I mean, they against Cleveland, they had a 20 play drive. Uh, they'll have drives where they go 18 plays because of the run game, and it allows them to do that, eat clock, which is what they do. They limit the number of possessions. Anytime you go play the Ravens, you expect to have the ball maybe eight to nine times in a right. league where you, you in any other game, you could expect to have it at least 10, sometimes 12 possessions, right? Right on. You're talking eight to nine against Baltimore because of how they play. So you got to make every possession count. Uh, there's no, and you can't turn it over because now you're giving up possessions. You got to protect the football. Um, and to me, I've always said the best way to beat the Ravens. Even with Lamar, because Lamar is, is a unique quarterback, you got to make them play from behind. You got to make them chase points. Yep. Which means now, what does that mean? They got to start throwing it more than they want. They can't nickel and dime you in their passing game. And they got to come out of some of those exotic RPOs or run plays and option stuff. No, they're going to have to start dropping back and throwing it. And that's not who he really is. Not saying he can't do it, 
He can do it when they have a lead and you least expect it, right? But when you know he's going to drop back and throw on every single down because they've got to chase points on the scoreboard, just like I was explaining with Joe Burrow or any other quarterback, when they have to make play to stay on the field on third down, man, you're playing with house money. And if you could do that against the Ravens, uh, that's how you go in there and beat them. Uh, get this. over Since last year, seven times they've had a 14-point lead in games and lost. Wow. Between now and last year. That's what happened uh, last week against the Cleveland Browns. Yeah. Cleveland Browns never led in that game. They never led. 59 minutes and, what, 50 seconds. And then, bam, they kick a 40-yard field goal game over. They win. They never led on the scoreboard in the entire game. So, yeah, they they do struggle to finish off games, um, and that's why you got to hang in there. You and I both know this is a week-to-week lead yep. league that we're playing in, and, man, you got to just hang in there. Teams are going to give you an opportunity, and then you got to take advantage of it. And the most recent example is Denver getting blown out by 70 points. Now they've won three in a row. And, you know, in finishing close football games, it's just – it is. The the NFL is crazy. Talk about two different philosophies. The Bengals have the fewest rushing attempts in the National Football League. As a result, the fewest rushing yards. Baltimore, just the opposite. The most attempts, the most yards. I mean, it's it's yin and yang in this this football game. And and potentially – the H boys, Hubbard and Hendrickson are out. So now, you know, Cam Sample, um, you know, has to step up. Osai has to step up. Miles Murphy. And you got to believe that the Baltimore Ravens are going to attack that perimeter with yeah. uh, Lamar Jackson in that running game big time, don't you think? Yeah. And listen, I, I do believe their unique running game creates a problem, particularly when you haven't seen a whole lot of it. Yep. Um, it I, I think everything is about familiarity when it comes to playing their offense because um, that's why the teams outside of our division don't do well against the Ravens. Like you saw the Detroit Lions, the Seattle Seahawks, they don't they don't play them a whole lot. And right. So it's just that's not what we're accustomed to seeing at the NFL level. Now the college game, you get a lot of that RPO, a lot of leaving the end man on the line of scrimmage unblocked. Yep, and you slow play him down and read option him. Imagine playing Lawrence Taylor like that. I I I often say, what if you slow played Lawrence Taylor and left him unblocked, thinking you're going to do a read option on LT? He would come hit your quarterback on every play. I I, I get you don't even need to tell him. Yeah, he, he's not going to even listen to the coordinator saying, "Just wait it out, wait." It. No, I'm hitting. The, you mean they're going to leave me unblocked? You mean they're going to let me hit the quarterback? Oh, oh, and you don't even need permission to do that. And that's what I say about our league. It's one thing for the offense to play a certain play that they pull up from the college ranks. It's another thing for the defense to say, we're going to play it like the colleges do. In our league, the quarterbacks aren't supposed to get hit. In fact, no team that pays their quarterback $50 million a year, wants their quarterback getting smashed in the mouth. No doubt. So why won't you go do it? Right. If they're going to expose him and turn him into a running back. See, that's a defensive player talking here, Dave. I, I get <laughs> I get fired up because you're telling me I get to go hit your quarterback. Well, that's exactly what I'm going to do. That's and right. I'm telling you right now, I'm not trying to maim anybody, but he getting in the whirlpool the next day. 
I can tell you that. So if you're thinking, if, I, if I'm Miles Murphy, if I'm Joseph Osai, if I'm Cam Sample, let them do it. All I know is I'm hunting quarterbacks this week if you're leaving me on block. And I'm treating this dude. And I know he's shifty, he's quick, he's got some dark. But, dude, if he's going to slow roll you and they leave you on block, just go hit him. You don't have to wait. He's a, he's not a protected player. He's a runner. Yeah. Right? So if we know the rules and we know the game and they're going to leave us unblocked, I have never before had a defensive player that's worth his salt that you can leave unblocked and think they're not going to impact the game. I hear that. I hear that. Final question, Solly. Mike McDonald on the defensive side of things, Baltimore Ravens were playing, you know, tough defense once again, and uh, no surprise there. 38 sacks leads the National Football League. I mean, he's got his simulated pressure packages and who's coming, who's not. Um, what do you think of, of Mike McDonald and his approach to defensive football? It's a lot of zone blitz stuff, man. It's as Dick LeBeau reincarnated, right? Um, they come from everywhere. They'll overload. And then they come from the weak side, right? Because you're you're moving everything to that overload side. And then you're allowing this free runner. Um, and But they have coverage behind that. Yep. Because typically the way pressure packages work and the way offenses want to attack, you throw behind the blitz. You throw behind the area that's been that's been vacated because you're overloading to that side, meaning there's going to be a void behind it. But what they do, they're smart, and that's what you got to do, knowing that offenses want to attack that way. Um, you overload, you and then you drop out over there, and you come from another area, and then you steal the passing lane there because if the quarterback's smart, he read this over here, now he's going to go hot. You got to have someone steal the passing lane. Right. Think about the play that Geno Stone made in the week two game down inside the red zone against Joe Burrow. I, I thought that interception changed the game. I really do. We were going in, looked like we're about to score, looked like we're about to take a lead, be back in the game. And then, bam, everything, everything turned on that interception. So we're going to have to be careful with what we do. You got to see what you throw. Um, they've got some guys who are missing and banged up as well. What we cannot allow them to do is dominate the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball by running it and putting pressure on Joe Burrow. And that's exactly what the Houston Texans did. So the, the guys up front, offensive and defensive linemen, put on the big boy pads because yep. that's what it's going to take in Baltimore, man. No question about it. Solly, as always, you are phenomenal with your football IQ, and, uh, and you express it so well and appreciate you carving time to join us to do so, my man. Easy to do when you love the game, right, Dave? No question. It's, <laughs> it is. It's uh, People call this work? You kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Not work at all, man. Not work at that. all. Paul, Paul Brown would be proud of you. That's all I must say. <laughs> <laughs> You're the best, Solly. All right, Dave. Take care. Bye-bye. You have a great one, man. Dave Lapham here, and every day I am grateful for my experience to have played professional football. As a player, I realize self-motivation, leadership, and appreciating your teammates are key. At First Star Logistics, you can use those same attributes to create the life you want for you and your family. Build your future by working hard like I did. You'll see results both on and off the field. Call First Star Logistics today and be part of our winning team. Opportunity.
Marketing.